Sounders, keep your shades anchored and where they belong during life's greatest feats. Head to soundergoods.com and use promo code KTTC to get 10% off and free shipping with any order. You're listening to the Keef to the City podcast. Here's Neil Keith. All right, so the Rangers advance past the Penguins in the first round of the playoffs in an easy five games and what seems easy for the Rangers after all these years of six and seven game series. And now they see a familiar foe in the playoffs in the Capitals, who they saw back-to-back years in 2011-12 and 2012-13. And also earlier on in uh, 2008-2009 and 2011-2012. And uh, that series kicks off on Thursday night at Madison Square Garden for Game 1. And joining me today to talk Rangers playoffs is Brian Mons of WFAN, uh, producer for Mike Zahn, Francesa on the fan on WFAN and Fox Sports 1. Monzo, how's it going today? It is going just awesome. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. We haven't talked since before the game one of the rangers Penguin series. Um, we sort of felt like it would be a harder series than everyone else made it out to be, despite the one seed playing the eighth seed. And... Uh, the Rangers were able to do it in five games, which was a surprise, I think, to both of us. I picked it in six. Um, I just felt like the Rangers always seemed to go the distance, or at least six games in a series. But to wrap it up in five and get some extra days off should help them here against the Capitals. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I think it wasn't so much uh, thinking it was going to be a harder series against the Penguins because of the Penguins. It's just because when you're that elite team, it's the ability to play your A game over and over and over again. And, I think obviously some people would argue that the Rangers hadn't played their A game for much of the Penguin series, and they still came uh, ahead of the series five games, which is obviously a good thing because if they can ever find a way to consistently play 60 minutes, it just goes to show how truly dangerous that team could be. Uh, you know, so we'll see moving forward if that's something they could do. Yeah, and uh, you know, b- before the playoffs started, I I said that I thought I wanted them to face the Penguins. Uh, I was doing those scared of the Rangers playing them in the playoff power rankings. And I kept picking the Penguins uh, at the end of the year, but before that, it was the Capitals who I thought would be their best matchup, at least for the first round. And then the Capitals sort of grew stronger as the season went on. They've become a team that they haven't really been in the past and found a way to balance uh, their offense with defense and finally finding a real true goaltender possibly for the future in Braden Holtby. Uh, The Capitals, I mean, over the last couple months of the season just seem like a different team than we're used to in the past with the Capitals, and it's not really just the Alex Ovechkin show anymore. No, it's true. The solid squad, obviously, at Backstrom, uh, Netsoff led a great playoff. And there's, there's a lot of talent here. Ward is a playoff guy, uh, except when he's taking a minor penalty late in the game and letting the Rangers tie the game with 30 seconds left. But um, no, they, and look, they're a physical team. We saw the impact Tom Wilson made in the in the Islanders series. Whether you think it's clean or dirty, it's it's playoff hockey and it's physical, um, and that's something the Rangers got to be in the look at. But I think this series boils down to. Uh, you know, one thing, um, what team is better? And, and I think Rangers, you know, just talent-wise, if the Rangers play their B-plus to A-minus game, they should be able to take care of the Capitals in game. I think the Capitals win, win, will win uh, an extra game. I think they'll take them six games as opposed to five with the Rangers do with the Penguins. Um, you know, hopefully he can get hot. He's played well against the Rangers. He has a ton of experience against the Rangers. And uh, in a short time, a lot of playoff experience for Braden Holby. So, and look, the Rangers have, had, have done a good job of containing out. So uh, Dan Girardi's done a number on him the last couple of years. Um, I think it's going to be a fun series, but I think it's one that obviously 
uh, favors the Rangers heavily. Well, when you look back at what happened in the first round for the Rangers and uh, Penguins series, and uh, you know the Rangers getting four wins all by two to one, um, the overtime bug that bit them in the Stanley Cup final last year uh, went their way this time. They got the bounces to win uh, games four and five in overtime. But when you look at that series, you know four two to one wins, one sloppy four to three loss. Um, you know what what stood out for you the most as you know a good thing, and what and what surprised you the most as a bad thing from that series. Uh, what surprised me? I think what surprised me is, and, you know, it's, it's funny because you and I have different takes on a couple of things. Like, you weren't the biggest Brian Boyle guy, but I think even you'd agree that he stepped it up in the playoffs. And I'm not the biggest Carl Hagelin guy, but I think it's safe to say he stepped up in the playoffs. So that's been a pleasant surprise uh, to see him contribute both defensively and offensively. Obviously, scoring uh, the game-winning goal uh, to win the series and being on the ice and help set up the game-winning goal in game four, the goal that Kevin Hayes scored. Uh, so that's been a pleasant surprise. I've also, you know, just the team continues to be comfortable playing low-scoring type games. Uh, even those games going into overtime, I'm not sure how everybody else felt, but I felt pretty confident in both games the Rangers going to be able to come out on top because they had one quick, was played really good in the playoffs so far. He's had one clunker. I think games one and two, he wasn't that great, but I think since then he stepped it up. Uh, just the defense has really uh, been... Really good. I mean, Stalt, McDonough, Pitcherardi, and obviously Yen's only declined back. I think Hunwick was good in his absence. Uh, Dan Boyle made a couple of uh, errors, but, you know, I think he's been pretty good. So, you know, all in all, I think it was a pretty positive stepping stone for the Rangers going forward in these playoffs. And maybe I'm in the minority, but during that entire series, I mean, from the first goal of the series when Broussard scored right at the open of Game 1, uh, through the entire series, really, I never, you know, even when it was tied 1-1 one to one heading into Game 3, um, I never really felt worried that the Rangers weren't going to win the series. I mean, every game was, you know, all the games they won, even the game they lost, all the games were tight games. Um, they were only scoring two goals a game in the wins. But with the way, you know, that Lundqvist played and the way he's played in the past and just having him in the net and the way this Rangers team played all regular season – I, I, I don't know. It's a weird feeling to not be really concerned or worried about winning a playoff game or a playoff series, but even though they were all 2-1 to one wins, they seemed relatively easy, and I just never was worried about it. No, I was never concerned about the series. The only concern I had, and this wouldn't affect the series, but in Game 5, when the Penguins took the early lead, uh, the Rangers were uh, kind of sloppy, and they got things going a little bit, but they weren't getting that break, and they finally got that break to score the game-tying goal. Uh, and then obviously win the game at overtime. So I was just maybe going six games. It was very interesting. I thought between six. But hey, look, the Rangers are a tremendous home team. They're a tremendous road team. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of things, uh, you know, have worked out for them thus far. And uh, I'm with you. I never once felt. Even when the Penguins tied the series of one, the series was in any danger at all. Yeah, and when you look at this Penguins team now, I mean, front office uh, changes last season, head coaching change, general manager change, and then they come back, barely get in the playoffs, back their way in after leading the Met for so long during the season, and then they're out in five games again so quickly. And, uh, you know, it just seems like there's going to be more changes now to an organization that doesn't really know where it's going. Yeah, I mean, you got those two stars, obviously, in Crosby and Malkin, and I think it's time they got to move on from one of them, and it's obviously not going to be Crosby. So I wouldn't be surprised if by this offseason, maybe at the draft or uh, sometime in July, that the Penguins really try and move Evgeny uh, Malkin. He could probably get a ridiculous package in return, a combination of players, prospects, and things. Because obviously, uh, you know, he's still a you know, top three, top four, top five player in the league. Um, 
but it just might be time that the mix may not be there anymore in Pittsburgh, and it might be time to move on from that situation. Yeah, and uh, and also in that first shot, I mean, outside of game two when Crosby had the two goals um, and the Penguins won, and, you know, they weren't exactly Sidney Crosby, uh, you know, the goals you think of when you think of him, but he found a way to get it done, and that was really it, and the Rangers did a good job of limiting him, limiting Malkin, who was just, you know, a ghost for the entire series, basically. And now when you get the Capitals, you have a similar situation with Ovechkin, who uh, you really just can't let him hurt you. And when you watch the Islanders play them in that first-round series, there is a lot of times where the Islanders ran around and were undisciplined and took stupid penalties, and they just kept putting the Capitals' power play on the ice. And eventually you give them enough chances they're going to burn you um, with as dangerous and lethal as their power play is. And it just doesn't make sense to me why any team would go out of their way to take a foolish or you know nonsensical penalty against the Capitals because really when it comes down to the Rangers, I mean, at even strength against the Capitals at their best, the Capitals can't play with them. And the only way they'll be able to is if they give them the man advantage too many times. So I feel like they shut down Crosby and Malkin. They did their job in round one, and now round two, the focus should be to stay out of the box the entire series. Yeah, the Rangers are a pretty disciplined team. They don't have any real goons. I mean, sometimes it's to a fault, but um, no, absolutely. And, you know, the problem is once you do get on the penalty kill against Ovechkin, he's going to be teeing up for a slap shot. You're going to have somebody going down, you know, Rick Nash or Dan Girardi trying to block the shot, and God forbid somebody snaps a bow, and that would be devastating. So, um, yeah, absolutely. you want to do as, as much as you can to stay out of the box against the Capitals and, Hey, look, the Rangers have done a tremendous job of holding Alex Ovechkin uh, to very minimal production in the playoffs, and uh, this core hasn't changed all that much to believe that uh, that's going to change. I mean, if only if anything, it's gotten better. So uh, I'm not so much worried about Ovechkin. What you have to worry about is some of those secondary players, and you know, all you have to do is thank the Capitals uh, for uh, Martin, uh, you know, for that Erat trade. Because if they had Forsberg, they'd be that much more dangerous. I was going to say, when it comes to the Capitals and that power play, it just seems to me like the most logical decision would be to have whoever's on the kill just shadow stick with Ovechkin the entire time, essentially take him out of the power play and make it you know, what would be a four-on-three then with the rest of the guys on the ice and go out of the traditional boxer diamond and just make sure wherever he goes, someone else goes because you know, you should make Ribeiro or Backstrom or someone else beat you and not him and I understand that you know, great players will find a way to get the job done no matter what and at some time in the series he probably will but it just seems incredible to me that he can still get you know, so in- insanely open against every team in the league on the power play when everyone knows exactly what the Capitals are trying to do. They're trying to get the puck and the passes through him and he's still always, you know, at the top of the circle waiting to, waiting to blast a one-timer. Dan, if you do the opposite for the Rangers, they're always trying to get the puck to Derek Stepan, huh? It's two different things. <laughs> uh, um, but, no, look, that, that to me, that, that's not so much players, that, that's coaching. And, uh, you know, as we've seen, you know, Alan Vigneault and their coaching staff is one of the best in the league. And, you know, all the stuff we're talking about, they've studied probably about 100,000 more times than you and I ever will. So I fully expect them to have a plan to be able to counter anything that Alex Ovechkin on the power play or even regular strength uh, tends on bringing in. You know what that is. It could be physical. It could be his, his, you know, snapshots from half ice from center ice broke Kevin Klein's arm. So, I mean, uh, you know, obviously they know how dangerous it is. And, you know, like you said earlier uh, when we started, you know, they played the capital teams virtually every year in the playoffs. So, they know what to expect. The coaching staff knows what to expect, and uh, I would fully expect them to to really uh, eliminate Ovechkin from you know trying you know from, from a lot of scoring opportunities.
Well, when it comes to the Capitals in that first round series against the Islanders, I picked the Capitals um, in seven, which is, you know, ultimately ended up happening. Obviously, you know, a lucky prediction. But there was times in the series when it felt like they couldn't really handle the Islanders until later in the series when they sort of dominated and took over. But, you know, after that game one loss and stuff, I thought, oh, my God, you know, maybe the Islanders will overcome them. And surely enough, the seven-game series played out and the Capitals rose. But... When you look at this team, I mean, from watching them in another playoff series, watching them all regular season, um, it's going to be obviously a tougher matchup than it was with Pittsburgh, who was, you know, basically limping to the finish line and then limping into the playoffs. You know, what worries you the most about the Capitals? Is it Ovechkin? Is it the power play? Is it just that they're a better overall team than they've been in years past? You know, what worries me, uh, and not so much with the Capitals, but with any team in the playoffs, is the uh, the hot goal. And the Rangers have had trouble with Holtby even though they beat him in the playoffs, you know, he hasn't made it very easy for them, uh, with the exception of that Rangers dominated. You know, but for the most part, Brayden Holtby plays a good game against the Rangers. He's a very calm goalie. He never looks like he's, uh, you know, jumping in and out uh, of the uh, crease. You know, he's comfortable. And, you know, a hot goalie in the playoffs, you know, can mean all the world's difference. Uh, and, you know, the Rangers' offense, we can all agree, is better than it was. You know, but let's be honest, and we can see this Rangers team going into the kind of scoring funk. So, uh, not that I actually think that will happen, but if there's anything that I could see bothering the Rangers or hurting the Rangers in the series, it'll be the uh, inability to score some goals uh, when you need them to. And when it comes to goals, uh... Rick Nash, obviously, a hot topic once again. Just one goal in the first uh, first series in five games. But when I watched Nash play, you know, he had one goal, but he had four points in five games. If he keeps up that production, um, the Rangers should get back to the Stanley Cup final this season. And it wasn't for a lack of chances. I know he had, you know, a few real uh, high-quality scoring chances where it went off a skate or went off a blade of a stick and... Um, just some unlucky bounces what we saw in the Stanley Cup final from him last year. But, uh, you know, I have no problem with his play. I thought he was, you know, as good as he was the entire regular season. I mean, to put up four points in the first round series um, is certainly solid enough for him and right up with his alley and and sort of goes along with his career numbers and his points per game percentage-wise throughout most of his career. So when it comes to Rick Nash, I mean, there's always going to be criticism unless he's scoring, you know, one goal a game in the playoffs. And even if he was doing that, people would probably still be unhappy. But what did you see from him in the first round that you liked or disliked? I saw a comfortable, confident Rick Nash who didn't, you know, he didn't pass up a ton of shots. He took the shots you'd expect him to. You know, what I noticed is he blocked a lot of shots. He blocked a lot of shots defensively. And, you know, maybe you don't want to see that, you know, from, you know, your best offensive player. Um, you know, but you can just tell how this team plays, you know, where they're going to sacrifice their own bodies uh, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna play as a collective team. So it's not really about Rick Nash. You know, obviously you want to see him put the pucks in, and I fully expect him to. But you also want to see some more production out of Marty Saint Louis. You know, to come together and put pucks in the net, not just one guy. I understand there's more emphasis on Rick Nash because he struggled last year. He had a big season with the 42 goals. Uh, you know, but as long as he puts up points, he creates opportunity. He does things on both ends of the ice. Uh, the Rangers are going to be just fine, and any fan that complained about, you know, four points in five games or, or whatever, it just it isn't a smart hockey fan. <laughs> no, and I feel like those same people were the ones complaining last year, and I know he only had three goals in the playoffs last year in 25 games, and um, the thing with him, though, has been the last couple of years, you know, now his third season with the Rangers, his third postseason with the Rangers, and it just always feels like, you know, 
He's such a streaky goal scorer. It's it's a proven thing in his career. He's admitted to it as well. Where you know he'll have nine goals in nine games, then he'll go four games without one, then have six and five, and so on and so on. And the thing with me that's always been with him is that as long as they can win series and he's not being you know the Rick Nash that we saw in the regular season, that's a good thing because at some point this streakiness is going to turn and it's going to turn in a series where he can carry this team by himself and they don't have to rely on Henrik Lundqvist or the defense or lucky bounces and good breaks. So I feel like as long as they keep winning and he's not doing anything, at some point he's going to become you know the Rick Nash that we're used to and those, those pucks that are finding knobs and they're finding stick blades and skates, uh, they're going to start finding the back of the net. Yeah, I'll put it this way. He could score one goal. He could score ten goals, you know, in the playoffs. If they're in Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Final, uh, tied two-two in overtime, and there's a wide-open shot from one of the circles, who do you want to be shooting that puck? Rick Nash. He definitely has one goal in the playoffs. You know, he's your best goal scorer. Uh, he has a knack for scoring goals. Uh, you know, and he's you know he's your best offensive player. You know, so I don't want to hear these guys, you know, if the Rangers are winning series and it's because he's doing everything but score goals, eventually he's going to score goals. It's just how it happens. Uh, you know, so everybody that has some bad things to say about Rick Nash, just, you know, as somebody uh, famous that we all know would say, get lost. But since the Capitals are in the second round after playing the Islanders in the first round, that means the Islanders' season is now over, the Nassau Coliseum is closed, and oddly enough, Bonzo, the best team in New York is no longer playing hockey this season. You know what's funny? Uh, I don't want to rip them on them too much, even though they only had 11 shots in Game 7, which is unfathomable. Um, you know, the Islander fan, this is going to come off so, I don't know, insensitive or bitter. They love to use that term, best. You know, the best team in New York. Today I'll say here, I had to hear about the best fourth line in the NHL. I mean, when you're eliminated in the first round, Gavin Moore playoffs here for 21 years, the word best should not be affiliated with your team at all, in any aspect. And not to mention, I would take Dominic Moore on my fourth line over any three of those guys in their fourth line. <laughs> so, it's just, uh, but I mean, look, they had a good, all series, you know, all kidding aside, uh, even though I'm not kidding, uh, they had a good season. 101 points is up to the last bout. Uh, you know, I know a lot of the Islander fans aren't really fond of the coach, um, so maybe there'll be a change there. But they have a, still a lot of good young players. Uh, I think they finally established the goaltending situation. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see them play in front of 48 people in Brooklyn. Um, but you know, we'll see. They're they're stop, some people would say. Um, and I I fully expect them to get back in the playoffs next year and have a good regular season again. Yeah, and the 11 shots, I mean, in Game 7 is just, I mean, in, in comparison, that that would be like Game 7, you know, getting one hit in baseball. I mean, well, I mean, if you get up three times, that's not awful. But it'd be like, you know, getting up four times the bases loaded and not, you know, getting one run in uh, for one player, uh, you know, which obviously D.D. Gregorius could do. But, um, <laughs> no, I mean, look, it still dominated that game. You know, it was one of those games that was kind of weird because um, – you know, a couple minutes into the third period, even though the Islanders were very much outplayed, they tied the game, and it could have been one of those weird games where, you know, even though you get dominated, you still come out with a win. And I, at one point, I thought that was going to happen. Uh, you know, but the Capitals just shut the door, and uh, I thought a lot played a good game, but they got nothing from Tavares, they got nothing from Ocposo. Game seven, Ocposo had a wide-open shot late in the third, but he missed the net, but obviously a disappointing end for the Islanders, but like I said, 
you know, obviously uh, good things for them in the future. Yeah, and, uh, you know, obviously we have friends who are Islanders fans and you don't want to get on them too much because, uh, you know, it's heartbreaking to go down and especially the year the building's closed. But uh, when you look elsewhere around this league, uh, the game seven between the Lightning and the Red Wings uh, and, uh, you know, that sort of um, – Went, you know, the distance, and, and not many people thought it would. They expected a more dominant performance out of the Lightning. The Canadians are able to get by the Senators, um, and now the Rangers and Capitals are in it. So it, the East has shaken out the way I thought it would after round one. Did you have it the same way? Um, you know, I, 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 in real picks, I would have picked Montreal. If you were gambling, I would have picked Ottawa just because there was some value. But I, you know, obviously, I'm not shocked that the Canadians won that series. Um, I'm actually a little surprised Detroit didn't beat uh, Tampa Bay. Um, obviously, they were up three two in the series at one point. All that experience, Babcock, in my opinion, is you know one of the top two or three best coaches in the league. Uh, ben Bishop still a little unproven in the playoffs here, and he played remarkable. You know, but so if you look at that Tampa Bay team, they have a lot of experienced playoff guys, guys that we've seen: Callahan, Boyle, Strawman. Uh, you know, in that mix of good young players, obviously with Stamkos and Johnson, uh, Kucherov, I and mean, they got a uh, they got a good young team, and obviously a goalie who's playing well. So, uh, you know, Tampa Bay is going to be a pretty a pretty formidable challenge here for the Habs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm like shocked. Uh, I'm, I'm like I said, the only surprise for me is uh, Detroit going down. And then if you watch Game Seven, you know, I thought Detroit could have easily won that game. You know, they had a lot of uh, really awesome opportunities that either uh, Bishop made the save or they just missed the net. Um, you know, so, no, good series. Good series all around. I thought every series was entertaining uh, except for the uh, Ducks-Jets series uh, in some capacity. All right, Mazza. Well, I got the Rangers uh, in six here against the Capitals. You have the same. Uh, hopefully, you know, we get to do this again for the third round with either uh, Rangers-Canadians or Rangers-Lightning, and hopefully the predictions work out again here in the second round. Absolutely. Look forward to it.